Welcome back to the JV Show. Today we are going to recap week one and talk about the upcoming week two games. So without any further ado, let's just get right into it. Uh, the first game I want to talk off the bat uh, is probably the most agonizing, aggravating, confusing um, any other word you want to throw in there will probably represent this game well. It's the steelers Bengals game. I, I've been racking my brain trying to think of another game that has confounded me like this one has. This game probably took five years off my life watching it yesterday. I even looked at my Apple Watch after the game was over. And my heart rate jumped 25 beats during the final 10 minutes of this game. Uh, it's a game the Bengals should not have been in whatsoever. They had five turnovers. Five. And if it wasn't for a absolutely dreadful and pathetic Steelers offense, the Bengals would have been blown out of the water and this game wouldn't have been competitive at all. But thanks to the aforementioned Steelers offense, the Bengals had... Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five chances to win this game. There was the drive where they ended up with zero points, and Jamar Chase actually did score a touchdown, but the Bengals didn't challenge it because Jamar didn't think that he got in, so he didn't go let Coach Taylor know. Uh, Zach Taylor didn't think that Jamar got in, so they didn't even bother to look at the play until they ran the next one. By then, it was too late. And then there's the one where they scored the touchdown, tied it, 20-20. And the point after got blocked. And I just had a feeling this was going to happen because the Bengals did not deserve to win this game whatsoever. They had no right being in this game. I cannot emphasize that enough. You do not have five turnovers and the other team has none zero five to zero turnovers the game had no business being as close as it is and credit to the Steelers they didn't blink they didn't lose and they outright won it even though the game was looking like it was going to end in a tie except for Zach Taylor and the special teams punting the ball away uh with about a minute and 15 seconds left in overtime with about 15 seconds on the play clock left. So instead of bleeding the time down to zero, they gave it back to the Steelers with about a minute or so to go and to get the go-ahead field goal win. Uh, I don't know what to take away from this game. TJ Watts injured, uh, still unclear how long he's going to be out, but he's going to be out at least for a bit. T. Higgins got a concussion. Um... And it looks like Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon both got a little bit banged up. I think they're going to be fine. I haven't seen anything about them. Um, the Bengals lost their starting long snapper, which added to the festivities of the final minutes of the game because there was the uh, botch snap in overtime, which I don't understand why the 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 place kicker holder didn't just fall on the ball because they kicked... 
the field goal on third down in overtime. They could have just sat on the ball and took it to fourth down. I don't know why they didn't do that. But the laces were in. McPherson shanks it to the left. And I takeaways from this game, I think the Bengals are going to be totally fine. They... It would have been amazing if they walked away with a win for this because, A, it's in division. So they would have already had a leg up on the Ravens and the Browns coming out of this, who both went 1-0 this week. But they didn't. Uh, they played Dallas next, this coming week. Uh, I don't think Joe can play nearly as bad as he did. I don't think the offensive line will be nearly as bad. Even though they did... Tighten things up in the second half. I will say the offense started clicking more. Um, they were playing better. Joe didn't look nearly as rusty. And I don't want to give any excuses. He didn't practice in the preseason whatsoever because of his appendectomy in early August. So that might have contributed to it. But, you know, they, they, as the Steelers didn't blink, neither did the Bengals. They were in it pretty much the whole time with, Every opportunity to win. The difference is you cannot do this to a team that has a decent offense, which the Steelers do not have. And they're going to be down Najee Harris for the next couple of weeks. So thankfully, this coming week, I think that it'll be kind of the same where Dallas has a pretty solid defense. But the offense without Dak now, I don't think it's going to look that great. Didn't look that great with Dak. So we'll see. I expect the Bengals to be 1-1 one one after week two. Oh, that's the hope. But I don't think it could be any worse than what it was. And even with as bad as it was, the Bengals were in it f- till the end. As confusing as the game that was. Let's talk about another confusing game. The Colts and Texans tied. I don't really know what to say about this game. The Colts looked really rusty except for Jonathan Taylor because he's one of the best players in the NFL. Uh, Matt Ryan, uh, not uh, as of yet. I don't know. The Colts just can't seem to get a win in week one ever now. I'm, I'm about ready to start penciling in regardless of whoever they play next year. They're just gonna lose or tie. You know, you know what? Maybe this is a step in the right direction because the Colts haven't won in week one in almost a decade. So now they've tied. So maybe next year will be the turning point where they finally win week one. But outside of Michael Pittman, I don't know who Matt Ryan's throwing the ball to. And I think that's going to come and bite them when they face a team with a more potent offense than the Texans who give credit to them. I don't think they're going to be very good this year. They fought until the end. And they tied the Colts, who many, including me, have them projected to win the division. But <laughs> I can't believe the Colts, after blowing them out 60-3 to last year in both games, to tie. Maybe the Texans are better than we all thought. Or maybe the Colts aren't as good as we believed. I think not having Shaquille Leonard, formerly known as... Uh, Darius Leonard. Uh, maybe that maybe that'll help give the defense its the push that it needs. Um 
but I, I don't know what else to take away. I think the Colts offense needs another receiver to go along with Pittman, who was incredible. But Matt Ryan, I think Pittman had a 30% target share, and the other guys didn't do anything. Taylor went for over a buck fifty. He's incredible. No shock there. But we'll see what they look like in week two. Um, I'm I'm not overly... I'm, I'm trying my best to not overreact to week one games because, yeah, they're the only games that we have to um, extrapolate off of. It's It's tough. And especially with the Colts who just always seem to look off in week one but I think I think the Colts will be fine I think the Texans will be still one of the worst teams in the NFL um but yeah we'll see what that we'll see if that tie comes back to bite them or helps them out in the end we'll see but another division game that went down to the wire there was a lot of games that started off pretty sluggish and boring and turned out to be quite the incredible finishes and that was the same thing with the Saints and Falcons it looked like the Falcons were gonna trounce the Saints until Jameis rallied them back and took it Michael Thomas looks like he's back to Michael Thomas he had uh 77 yards and two touchdowns uh Jameis looking fine coming off his injury from last year Alvin Kamara Apparently has a rib issue that was not talked about prior to the game starting, which would have been nice to know for fantasy football reasons. But <sighs> poor Falcons fans, giving up leads. I man, they were looking really good for the first three quarters, but Jameis, I. I don't think the Saints' defense is going to be nearly as good as it was last year. But if their offense can sustain this, and I think the Falcons had an okay defense. Their defensive line isn't great, but they have two really good cornerbacks. And if the Saints can continue to do this, I think they're going to be a real threat in the NFC. Um, They didn't flinch when they were down, and they came back and won. Now they get Tampa Bay. And, oh, boy, that's going to be a fun game. But, yeah, outside of that, I think the Falcons, it's kind of like what I said when I was talking about the season as a whole. I think the Falcons are going to be better than people think. If I recall, their over-under was five and a half total wins for the season. I do still think they're going to go above that. I don't think they're a bad team. And the Saints prove that they're resilient and they won. Ah. Yeah, I think outside of that, um, Cordell Patterson looked really good. And uh, I'm excited to see this division unfold over the year. I'll be really curious to see if the Falcons are able to rebound and the Saints can continue to to gut out wins like this. Um, And speaking of gutting out wins in an absolute monsoon, one of the worst field conditions I think I've ever seen. I can't remember ever seeing water on a field as much as it was in the 49ers and Bears game. And I'm almost willing to write this off for both teams because I don't know what to take away from it. Neither team is going to play in conditions like that for the rest of the season, you know, hopefully. Trey Lance didn't look great. 
the 49ers were missing George Kittle, and Elijah Mitchell got hurt pretty early in the game. So, and on top of the weather, it's really hard to take away from Trey Lance's second, third total start in the NFL. He didn't look great. Uh, he had 13 rushes for 50 yards. I expect to see that more. Um, that's part of the reason why Kyle Shanahan took him at the third overall pick. It's to have that uh, offensive capability. I think he'll be better. Um, they play the Hawks next week. And I expect them to win. Um, I don't know how long of a leash Trey Lance has, given that Jimmy Garoppolo is still in San Fran. I don't expect him to ever get benched. But it's hard to take away from the Niners in this game. Same thing for the Bears. Uh, Justin Field made some great plays, and they found a way to win. I want to see a couple more games before I take back what I said about the Chicago being the worst team in the NFL. But Justin Field looked dynamic, and he gave a spark to the Chicago offense that we haven't seen in ever, dare I say. I I enjoyed watching Fields play, and it was great to to see the upset. I, hey, I, I called an upset in, in this week. Uh, it wasn't this game. Uh, as I'm recording, the Hawks and Broncos are playing currently, so maybe I'll be able to talk about that um, if the game ends soon. But I called this game wrong. I wasn't anticipating a horrific weather conditions, but you know, credit to the Bears. They were able to pull it out and win. All right, moving right along to another game that I tried watching and I couldn't because the Patriots might actually just be truly awful and now Mac Jones is hurt. They don't have a single player on either side of the ball that scares me. And they lost to the Dolphins 20-7. to uh, The Dolphins, Tua, he didn't wow me at all. And he had one throw that was like, what are you doing? Just kind of chucked it 20 feet in front of him into the dirt. I I, I need to see more from the Dolphins before I call them legit. Because I wasn't impressed with the Patriots going into the season. And now that Mac Jones is hurt. I I don't have much to to draw from this game. I and Miami seems to have the Patriots number whenever the Patriots travel down to Miami as well. So it's again this the week one hype. It's it's tough to not get overreactionary, but also not have confirmation bias. But it's tough to not have that with the Patriots because they just looked and played. Not great. Mac Jones had 70% completion percentage, though. So, woohoo. There goes that. Uh, but a far more exciting game that was kind of reminiscent of a la- of last year with this particular team. The Lions lost to the Eagles 38-35. to However, uh, it wasn't close for most of the game. It's another one of those de- deceiving... Uh, final score where if you look at the box total, it's like, oh, wow, the Lions really gave it to the Eagles, all, uh, gave them all they wanted. It wasn't really like that. The Eagles had never lost the lead once in this game. I didn't ever felt like they were going to lose, but I think the Lions are going to be frisky. 
and they gave it to the wire with them. A.J. Brown looking like an absolute stud with Philadelphia. Um, Jalen Hurts would basically look at A.J. Brown. If he was open, he threw it. If he didn't see A.J. Brown open, he would just run. Um, the running game for the Eagles, uh, three running backs scored, which I think we're going to be seeing a lot, as well as Jalen Hurts scored on the ground. But I think the Eagles, they beat up on the Lions for most of the game. Lions were able to come back. Uh, it's, I'm not taking anything away from the Philadelphia defense because they I don't think they were playing very hard because they had such a comfortable lead for most of the game that it wasn't a lot to uh, really press against the Lions. But I won't be shocked if one of these days the Lions sneak up on a team who had a comfortable lead and they end up taking it away. But it wasn't this week. The Eagles look legit, and I think they're poised to take this division, especially with the Cowboys injured now. Um, but speaking of that division, why don't we skip right to the Commanders beating the Jaguars. Oh, I felt so good about taking the Jaguars for most of this game. And then Carson Wentz, man. The Carson Wentz experience is really something else. He had four touchdowns and two interceptions on consecutive throws. It's it's a roller coaster with that man. He is equally exciting and equally confusing to watch. And you know, I'm not gonna lie, after all the flack that Carson got for the the woes of the Colts uh season last year and how it ended, it felt nice for him to get a win because I think he got way too much of the blame for the Colts season ending the way it did last year. So many things went into that, and I didn't think it was fair for not only the media and the fans, but also ownership and the GMs to give Carson pretty much all the blame and make him a scapegoat. Uh, Jaguars looked like a competent NFL team. Uh, James Robinson coming back, scoring two touchdowns. Crazy off an Achilles, especially after we saw Cam Akers do nothing on Thursday. And he was a year removed from his Achilles. James Robinson tore his Achilles back in, I think, either November or December of last year. But he looks like he's back to his old form as a real weapon for them. And, man, if the Commanders are able to play like this. Now, granted, the Jaguars' defense is not not anything to write home about. But I think it's... Good signs for a team that I didn't have any faith in. I, I didn't think they were interesting at all. I didn't think they were going to be terrible. I didn't think they were going to be good. But if this performance was any indication, uh, Wentz got all the receivers involved. Curtis Samuel, uh, the rookie Dotson, uh, Terry McLaurin, as great as ever. Antonio Gibson was good out of the backfield. I think this could be another frisky team. But again... Trying to keep week one in perspective and also the Carson Wentz experience. It has its ups. It has its downs. And we'll see if he's able to sustain it. But speaking of a roller coaster of a game, the Browns and Panthers. Holy man. Whew. That was, that was a fun game. It looked like the Browns were going to take it until Baker threw the Panthers back into the game. 
some questionable calls. But in the end, the Browns were able to get it off a rookie kicker. And it looked like he was going to miss it. (laughs) And then it hooked back in to make it. Uh, It's hard to take a lot from the Browns because, you know, it was status quo for the Browns that they've been. The running game is incredible with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb leading the way. The receivers, Donovan Peoples-Jones was, he was it. Amari Cooper didn't get involved much whatsoever. But Jacoby Brissett managed the game well. Browns got the W over Baker, even though Baker was selling t-shirts, allegedly saying he wanted to F the Browns up. Uh, He denies it, but I think it's reasonable to assume that he probably did say that. But on the Panthers' side, the McCaffrey didn't look that great. And I don't know if it's because he didn't get enough carries to really get into a rhythm or... If he's limited from something, he did have a shin injury coming into the game. I can't imagine that limited him much, but if it did, it could be another another fun season for people who have McCaffrey in fantasy football. But uh, Robbie Anderson had a great long touchdown. And if it wasn't for some questionable calls or no calls, with regards to the fake spike, but actually spiked the ball, which is against the rules. Don't know why that wasn't a penalty. The game actually should have been over because of the 10-second runoff rule. Um, But, yeah, it was a hard-fought game between both teams. And it's like I keep saying about the NFC South, I think every team in that division at minimum is going to be frisky. The Browns got that W. Um, on account of their incredible run game, and I expect that to keep happening. Uh, however, if there is a team out there that can stop the run, we'll see how how they fare if they have to rely more on Jacoby Brissett. But looking further, game well, there's not much to talk about. Ravens didn't destroy the Jets like I thought they were going to. The final game ended up being twenty four to nine. Lamar looked great. Looks incredible. I love, I'm love. i loving my pick so far of the Ravens finishing second in the division at 10-7. and seven. Um, Jets with Joe Flacco. I don't really know what they're doing with Flacco. Uh, I, I know Mike White isn't great, but at least he's young. You can like, maybe get him some more reps. I, I just don't see the upside in starting Flacco. It, it, they, just, they came out like a lame duck. And I don't have much else to say on the Jets until they start either Mike White or Zach Wilson comes back. But the Jets' offensive line's already beat up, so they might even take longer to to bring back Wilson. But the Ravens, Kyle Fuller is out for the season towards ACL. I really hope this isn't the start of what happened last year with the Ravens where they just get so injured that they become non-competable in the season, and it's just sad to watch. But the offense was clicking. The running game wasn't fantastic between Kenyon Drake and Mike Davis. I hope J.K. Dobbins is able to come back soon because without a dynamic running back, it's really just Lamar and some some veterans that have been around the league more times than, than I can count. But I'm looking forward to seeing more Ravens this year. 
I'm really, really liking the Ravens. I liked what I saw. Lamar's betting on himself, and I think I think this season he's going to prove just how good he is. But speaking of someone who's betting on himself because he doesn't have a choice, Daniel Jones beat the Titans. I like the, the Giants as underdogs this week. Not about outright winning, but I did love them uh, as plus five underdogs. So it felt great to see them get the W. Also seeing the Titans lose makes me happy. Uh, Derrick Henry had 90 yards, just kind of a middling game for him. Um, Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, the receiving game was not great for the for Tennessee. Um, but the real story of this game is Saquon reasserted himself as one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, I think he's fully back. He's fully healthy now. And his quads were off and running. And... I think the Giants with Brian Dayball, he had the team fired up on the sidelines. I love Dayball. And I think I could be wrong about the Giants, about them being one of the uh, worst teams in the NFL too. But again, I'm trying to keep everything in perspective because I always remember the Jaguars won week one two years ago and then went 1-15. So one of these teams, these underdogs that won, is going to end up actually being a terrible team. But for right now, i got to give them props. Giants pulled out the W over a team that I didn't like. Made me very happy. All right, moving into a game that was pretty uh, ho-hum. Vikings beat the Packers 23-7. to With the way the Vikings played in the first half, it really should have been a rout. It shouldn't have even been close. Um, and it could have been a lot closer if Christian Watson knew how to catch a deep ball. That was... Not great to see and was very indicative of things to come. A.J. Dillon was the only bright spot on the Packers team. Without him, oh, this would have been an even worse experience. Aaron Rodgers got hit repeatedly. Um, and he took some nasty hits, too, that he was able to bounce back up from. And I didn't think he was going to. But it's, again, it's week one. Packers got trounced by the Saints even worse than they did from the Vikings this year, um, last year. So I think they'll be fine. The chemistry's just got to get there with the Packers receivers. Alan Lazard didn't play, and I think that's a bigger deal than we want to talk about. But um, Packers defense was able to hold the Vikings after the first half um, when the Vikings looked like they were going to just outright blow the Packers out of the stadium because Justin Jefferson was unstoppable. He had a career-high 185 yards, which I can't believe that's his career-high. I would have sworn he's gone over 200 before, but I don't know what the Packers' defensive plan was for stopping him, but when they come to play the Packers in Lambeau, I hope to God they adjust it. Otherwise... I think it'll be more of the same. Kirk Cousins looked good. I'm not expecting him to all of a sudden become a great quarterback with a new coach, Kevin McConnell, O'Connell. But he looked good. Dalvin Cook had a decent game. Uh, Fantasy players would beg to disagree because he didn't get a touchdown, didn't catch any balls, but... Vikings did everything they could to limit the Packers, and the Packers did everything they could to um, not play great offense. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, a lot of the cameras were definitely playing to Aaron Rodgers' face for most of the game. (laughs) And 
got a lot of good looks at him. But speaking of teams that lost their number one receiver, um, but aren't really missing him right now, surprise, surprise, Patrick Mahomes is still great. Five touchdowns, over 300 yards. Um, I'm not trying to take victory laps in week one, but I called the Chiefs still being great, even without Tyreek Hill. I think the uh, excuse me, the Chiefs did more than enough to shore up their offense with Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez, Sky Moore, Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire looked really good this week. Uh, we'll see if he's able to keep it rolling. And the Cardinals, they put up 21 points, but this game was not competitive whatsoever. The Chiefs rolled the Cardinals, and there's really not much else to say. Um, Cardinals not getting off to that hot start like they have under Cliff Kingsbury the past two years, and I don't, I don't know, I didn't like the Cardinals going into this season, and this is the least shocking, this, this game is the least shocking outcome to me of the week. This was if anyone was going to call a game, if I had to put my life on a game that it's going to go one way, it's the Chiefs blowing out the Cardinals. I had every belief in the world that Mahomes and Andy Reid were going to be just fine without Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey is still excellent, and they have more than enough weapons to make up for the fact that they've lost Tyreek. Uh, we'll see when they face the Chargers on Thursday. Uh, division rival the Chargers have played the Chiefs pretty tough ever since Justin Herbert came in but they're both one and one or both one and oh and coming up on Thursday we'll see them show down but getting to the Chargers now they beat the Raiders Khalil Mack did a number on Derek Carr but they they put up some nice stats Devontae Adams they really showed him off in their offense and they lost I didn't think this game was as close as the box score indicated. It was 24-19. to 19. The Chargers were resting on their laurels for the last half of the game, it felt like. So it's it's tough to really be impressed with the Raiders right now. Um, Chargers got their revenge over them after what happened in Week 18 last year. Uh, Keenan Allen got hurt. Hopefully he's able to come back pretty soon because... Much like the Chiefs, I love the Chargers this year in the division. Those are the two that I've pegged to come out of that division for the playoffs. Uh, I love me some Herbert, and I'm hoping that... I'm just... Preview of the uh, game on Thursday. I just hope it's a great game. Honestly, I don't... I still, right now, I have no idea who I'm picking to win that game right now. But loved what I saw from the Chargers uh, without J.C. Jackson and without Keenan Allen for... Pretty much most of the game. He went out towards the end of the first quarter, I believe. Um, Austin Eckler didn't look great. I expect him to be better in the weeks to come. And, yeah, I don't expect the Raiders to be great. So, even with the addition of Devontae Adams, I think the Raiders are going to have a tough out this division going forward. And, oh, speaking of tough outs, being in the Midwest, I have to really decide if I'm going to stay up for a game because... I go to bed early as it is. And I made the decision to not stay up for the Bucks cowboys game because I watched the first hour and a half of it and was unimpressed. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go to bed and we'll watch the tape this morning. And 
Well, it's really hard to take much away from this game because Dak Prescott's going to be out for six to eight weeks. Uh, Bucks looked fine. They got stopped a lot in the red zone. They settled for four field goals. They scored one touchdown. And I think that offensive line, whew, that it's, I think it's going to come and bite them. Uh, it didn't stop them from winning this week. But yeah, Lenny, playoff Lenny played great. Uh, turns out. Him being coming into camp, quote unquote, fat, didn't matter much. He's still a really good running back. And oh man, Chris Godwin is injured now. Man, that just sucks. Coming off an injury from last year and playing, and he looked good. He looked like he was back to being Chris Godwin. Surprisingly, it's, just, it's crazy how fast these guys come off of uh, knee injuries like that now, but. Don't know how long he's going to be out, um, but Bucks still have Mike Evans, Julio, and Russell Gage, so I expect them to be totally fine. But this was this was a snooze fest for the Cowboys, and looking forward, you know, what can you say? Cooper Rush is going to be starting for them. Unless the Cowboys, unless we all wake up tomorrow and find out the Cowboys traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the season's pretty much done. Zeke looked pretty good. He just didn't get the rock enough. CeeDee Lamb, uh, not not great. The Cowboys, kind of like the Colts, it's it's a one-man show in the receiving game. I think Dalton Schultz is a fine tight end, but I don't think he's a game wrecker by any means. And with Dak out, I mean, you cannot be excited about the Cowboys' prospects. Uh, unlike Skip Bayless, I don't think Cooper Rush is as good as Dak just because he's consistent. I think he's consistently not great, and that's why he's a backup in this league. But, yeah, well, I feel for Cowboys fans. It always sucks, especially when your quarterback goes down on week one. All the excitement, all the hype just lets out like a deflated balloon now, and and it sucks. But that's really it for week one so far. Like I said, I'm recording during the Hawks and Broncos game, which right now looks like the Hawks are up 17-13. to 13. My pick's looking pretty good right now for the Hawks winning. I hope that... I hope it stays that way. Because it'd be nice to get a W after... after all my miserable losses last week. I'm not kidding. The Bengals game took the life out of me. I could barely stay awake during the afternoon games because of it. I've even the Super Bowl last year. I haven't. I, ugh, that was something else to watch. I got to say, but you know what? We're wiping the slate clean. Week one is over, and I think right now I'm going to take a quick break, and then after this break, we'll get back and talk about week two. Getting right back to it, we did a little bit of time traveling. I got to witness the Hawks beat the Broncos. And I'm going to start keeping a, a track of all my picks for each week. Just to just to have a little bit of uh, um, keeping myself honest and all that. <clears throat> but I don't really know what to take away from this game. The Broncos were sloppy, especially towards the final minute of the game. We had Peyton Manning on... The Manning cast freaking out 
for the Broncos to take a timeout when they let 30 seconds bleed off the clock when there wasn't a lot of time left. You had Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon both fumble on the one-yard line. And the Seahawks looked pretty confident. I think the Broncos' defense is going to be great this year. Um, Patrick Sertain looks like he might be the next best cornerback coming up in this league. He limited DK Metcalf to, like, I think it was 10 receptions for 35 yards or something crazy like that. I've never seen a stat line like that. That's incredible. But Geno Smith looked good, too. I don't know what to glean from the Seahawks' side. Uh, The Broncos looked discombobulated for a lot of this game. And I'm not going to start panicking about them yet. But if this is a sign of things to come, then the Broncos are going to be in some serious trouble. Uh, Happy to see the Hawks get a W after it seemed like, you know, Russell just... Wanted to finally get out of there. He got his wish and came back home and kind of got embarrassed. It wasn't a a big score disparity. It was 17-16, to 16, but the Broncos really should have won that game. It wasn't as egregious as the Bengals and Steelers game was because the, the Seahawks actually played both sides of the football relatively well, all things considered. But moving forward, I think the Broncos will be fine, and the Seahawks will still be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I need more than one game from these bad teams that won this week to really change my mind. But moving right into week two, oh man, we've got a game on Thursday night. The Chargers versus the Chiefs. The over-under is 54 and a half. Uh, no Keenan Allen for this game, unfortunately. So the Chargers won't be at full strength. Chiefs um, coming in, guns blazing right off the... Beating the brakes off the Cardinals. Chiefs are favored by four and a half points. And, you know, until the King is dethroned, I'm just going to go with the Chiefs. I know the Chiefs have historically not been great at covering numbers. But... Chargers down Keenan Allen. Mike Williams needs to step up. So does Josh Williams and DeAndre Carter. Uh, Gerald Everett looked pretty good for them playing tight end. Austin Eckler didn't do a lot in the first game. But I think think I'm going to roll with the Chiefs on this one. Um, I do think the Chargers will get one of these two division games. But for right now, with the Chargers not at full strength, I don't think they'll have J.C. Jackson either. Hopefully, when they rematch later in the season, the Chargers will have both Allen and Jackson back. So, for now, I'm going to go with the Chiefs and have them rolling to 2-0. And another division game that we have going on is the Bucks versus the Saints. No logic. Bucks are favored by 2.5. I'm taking the Saints. Tom Brady has yet to prove that he can beat the Saints in the regular season. He can do it when it really matters in the playoffs, but so far in the regular season... He's done nothing against the Saints. So I'm going to roll with them. And the comeback Saints. Jameis looking to finally... Looking to finally exact... Cause I believe it was last year when he got injured. It was against the Bucks. So I'm hoping... I'm hoping... I'm pulling for the Saints in this game. Um, I think the line's kind of short. But it feels like Vegas knows... Brady's record against the Saints, obviously. Because I feel like if if it wasn't some weird division game, it'd be more. 
because I don't think the Saints should be getting that kind of respect yet, especially against the Bucks, who are still the betting odds to make the Super Bowl for the NFC, and they had the highest win total at 11.5. It's kind of interesting, but I'm going to go with the Saints here. Not much else to glean from this. Tom Brady really struggles. And, oh, man, this is a game that I will not be watching. I'll watch the All-22 after. Is the Patriots versus the Steelers? Yuck. It is a <laughs> Patriots favored by one. Uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers because they were able to make the Bengals offense really uh, contributing factors aside the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, even without TJ Watt, I think will be just fine against the woeful Patriots offense. And the Steelers offense can probably get some cheap points off turnovers and short fields. So I'm going to go with the Steelers on this one for them to go 2-0. and uh, Another kind of meh game, Jets versus the Browns. Browns are favored by 6 Depending on who the Jets start, I might actually take the Jets in this game. If Mike White's starting, I might take the points. But if Joe Flacco's starting, give me the Browns all day long. The Browns are going to run all over the Jets' defense. And the Jets are one of the worst teams in the NFL. And the Browns, even with Jacoby Brissett, have great talent all around him. And I think they'll be just fine rolling against oh, the Wolfville Jets. Will they ever be good? I don't know. Not this year. Uh, man. Some of these games are just not very exciting. We got the Panthers versus the Giants. I'm gonna oh, this is actually kind of tough. The Panthers played the Browns pretty tough to the end. The Giants won against the Titans last week. Don't know if that's more of a positive spin for the Giants or a sign of things to come for the Titans. But you know what? I'm going to keep rolling with the Giants. I love me some day ball. Saquon looked hellacious. Back fully healthy. I know McCaffrey's on the other end, but it, it seemed like the Panthers were very tentative to use him last week. So maybe that changes this week. But between Matt Rule and Ben McAdoo, I'm rolling with Brian Dayball on that. Uh, I think the game, the Giants are favored by two and a half. With it being within the field goal, I'm going to go with what I believe is the better coach team in the Giants. You know, oh, okay, here we go. The Dolphins versus the Ravens. Uh, I think both teams are pretty solid all around. The Ravens, obviously, not as good in the receiver options. But Devin Duvernay did step up last week against, albeit, the Jets. But I don't think the Dolphins' defense is going to do enough to stop Lamar Jackson. I like the Ravens. They're favored by three and a half. And when it comes down to it, I'm taking Lamar and John Harbaugh over Tua and Mike Mike McDaniels, who I think coached a pretty good, good game. And as Tyreek Hill said, he's got big cojones. And I like McDaniels so far, but I'm taking Lamar. Easy. Oh, boy. Another division game. The Colts against the Jaguars. You know what? Just out of spite for what they did to me last year in the final week of the season, I'm taking the Jaguars plus four. I love Jonathan Taylor so much. I have no idea if Shaquille Leonard is going to be back. If he isn't back, I think the Jaguars running offense is going to be pretty good against the Colts defense. If Leonard is back, though, I think realistically I'll take the Colts if, if Leonard's back. 
But, man, what the Colts did last week was just gross. You tie the Texans. You're the favored going into the end of the year in the division, and you tie with the Texans. They better win, because if they go 0-1-1 or 0-2, they tie, heaven forbid, again. Oh, man. Let's see. Who do the Titans play this week? The Titans, they play... Oh, man. Where are the Titans? Titans play the... Oh, okay, never mind. The Titans are going to go 0-2. So, Colts will probably be fine if they if they lose. Uh, but they shouldn't lose. They better win this game. If they lose, it's just another indictment against the Colts starting slow every single year. They pick it up towards the end. But at some point, and like last year, it wasn't good enough. They had that run in the middle of the season and then taper it out at the end. They better get some wins here early or they're going to be in trouble. Uh, and another game that I think is going to be low-key one of the better games of the week, the Commanders versus the Lions. Both teams put up some points last week. The Lions did it in a lot of garbage time, so it's hard to say how good they actually are. But it was very much the Lions of last year. Commanders with Carson Wentz, it's a roller coaster. But you know what? The the Lions are favored by two and a half. Is wow. I'm gonna go with the Commanders. Um wow. I, when was the last time the Lions were favored? That's nuts. I'm gonna go with the Commanders on that one. That's Interesting. I love the Lions as much as everybody else. Well, I guess not as much as everybody else because I'm not taking them as favorites yet. Um, another team that I, hmm, I don't think I'm taking as favorites is the Rams versus the Falcons. Man, I want to take the Falcons here so bad. Falcons are 10.5 underdogs. I didn't see anything from the Rams that was great last week aside from Cooper Cup, and that's only because of Matt. Stafford has eyes for him only. Van Jefferson's still not in. Who knows what the running game is going to look like for the Rams. The Falcons played the Saints pretty well, better than most people expected. And you know what? I'm going to take the Falcons in the points. The Rams, I wasn't impressed with them coming into the season. And that offensive line, man, is bad. And I know that Bills have a great defense, but the Bills got seven sacks without blitzing once. And that's a problem, considering the Bills' defense wasn't even at full strength. So I'm taking the underdog here in the points. That's pretty easy. And and these are updated lines. The Seahawks are 10-point underdogs to the 49ers. You know what? I'm going to roll with the Seahawks two weeks in a row. Don't know if they'll win outright. But after what we saw from the 49ers, and I get there was a monsoon, but Trey Lance has yet to prove that he can cover 10 points, even against the Seahawks, who I still don't think are going to be that great. But I'm not going to be shocked if we're talking next week and the Hawks are 2-0 in the division and leading at that point because the Rams lost, the Niners lost, and the Cardinals lost. <sighs> yeah, I'm taking the Hawks in this. The I don't know what George Kittle's status is. I hope he's back because he's one of my favorite players to watch. But Niners favored by 10 points. I think that's going to get bet down pretty fast, especially after last night's game in Seattle. Oh, okay. Bengals, 
Cowboys, Dak's out for, it seems like it could be four weeks, it could be eight weeks. I hope it's later because we saw Russell Wilson come back and he was terrible off a thumb injury. Obviously, two different people. But I expect the Bengals to rebound from last week. I expect him to come out pissed of what happened from last week. And I expect him to throttle a Cowboys team that should be throttled without Dak. Cooper Rush, he's a backup for a reason. I have no faith in him. I'm taking the Bengals and the eight and a half points. <sighs> Why couldn't they have won on Sunday? Tragedy. Another, oh man, another double-digit underdog. The Broncos are favored by 10 against the Texans. I'm going to roll with the Texans. The Broncos looked uncoordinated and sloppy against the Seahawks last night. I'm going to go with the Texans. The Texans took it to the wire with the Colts all the way through overtime and tied the game. Give me the underdogs here. Man, I might have to get an underdog parlay going. Because I'm loving all the the underdogs this week. Oh, eh, hmm. Which I can't say for the next game because... <laughs> uh, the Cardinals and the Raiders, two of my least favorite teams coming into this season. The Raiders are favored by six. Can they both lose? Tie, maybe? I guess I'll go with the Cardinals and the points because I don't love the Raiders as... A touchdown favorite? I don't think the Cardinals are that bad. I'm taking the Cardinals here. I don't love the Raiders. Derek Carr looked blech last week. Devontae Adams, incredible. Josh Jacobs was fine. And the Raiders' defense couldn't stop the Chargers. And the Chargers were resting on their laurels for a lot of the latter part of the game. So I'm not taking the 24-19 loss. Uh, too seriously, much like the Cardinals 44-21 to loss. That was reality like a 44-7 to game. It was never competitive. And, uh, man, I think this game will be fun for fantasy football reasons, and there might be some points scored, but I don't like either of these teams very much. So give me the Cardinals and the points, but that's as far as it goes. All right, getting into the Sunday night football game. The Bears are 10-point underdogs to the Packers. I'm just going to make this short and sweet. Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. I don't care that the Packers lost last week. I don't care that the Bears won last week. I'm taking the Packers and the 10 points. And short and sweet, that's all really there is to it. And... Fun times. We actually have two Monday night football games. First one I alluded to earlier is the Titans-Bills. Give me the Bills by 10 points. I think the Titans are not that good. I love me the Buffalo Bills. I expect them to roll and get payback for what the Titans did to them last year. And, yeah, it's a 6.15 p.m. game central time, which means I can actually watch the entirety of the game. Which is fantastic. And then the last game of the week, got the Vikings and the Eagles. The Vikings are two and a half point underdogs. I think I'll take the Vikings here. I think both offenses can keep up with each other. It's all going to come down to whatever defense gets a key turnover or stop. Give me the points. The Eagles rolled against the Lions last week. 
this is one is this one's tough. I think this one of all the ones this week, this is the one that I have the most apprehension with taking the underdog. I I'm gonna stick with the Vikings for now. I'll be curious to see where this line gets to at the end of this week. I wonder if the Eagles will still be two and a half point favorites. I wonder if that gets back down to like maybe two or even close to a pick them. But I'm going to go with the Vikings here. And and that means I'm going to take them to win. Uh, Vikings be 2-0. and I think, man, both teams are really good all around. The Vikings corners aren't that great. So good luck covering A.J. Brown. And I think Devontae Smith will get involved more than he was last week. But give me the Vikings and the points. That's my final decision. But All right, well, that does it for the week two pick'em slate. And I think now I'm going to take a few minutes, like I talked about last week, I want to converse with y'all about stuff other than football just to... Just so I keep myself invested and interested, because if I only talk football nonstop or sports in general, I'm going to end up getting bored and getting burned out. But I've been watching House of the Dragon every week for the past four weeks. And I got to say, I was so against a Game of Thrones prequel show because I hated almost more than life itself. What happened with the ending of Thrones? And I swore I would never watch anything again. But dang it. George R. R. Martin and the showrunners, who one of them has actually just left the show in the first season. So don't know how it's going to bode for the rest of the series. However, four episodes in, this show has everything we've wanted from a Game of Thrones since probably season four or five of the original series. There's no more overarching White Walker plot, which, well, we already know how that ends. So it's, it's, they make a few mentions to Winter is Coming in this show, and I always cringe because I wish they just wouldn't talk about it. Um, But this last episode especially, so much political manipulations, machinations, plots are starting to, come to fruition it's it's gripped me in a way that really no show hasn't in in quite a while probably since game of thrones i'm waiting with bated breath every single week for the next episode and i can't say that for any of the other shows that have come out recently the only show that really comes close to it is the boys i think boys is another great show and when i have more time Probably in the off-season is when I'll have episodes dedicated more and more to entertainment stuff. I definitely want to do reviews and retrospectives on my favorite movies and TV shows and stuff like that. Just so we can all get to know each other a little a little bit more outside of the sports realm. But if you're like me and you haven't watched any of the House of the Dragon show yet and because you didn't like the ending to Game of Thrones, I beg you to give this a watch. Matt Smith, I've been a fan of his since Doctor Who, and I didn't even watch Doctor Who very much. I've only watched a few episodes. I loved him in that show. And he just never got a good shake at being in a franchise like Game of Thrones. He got screwed in Terminator. It was a terrible movie. 
and his role was very small and didn't amount to anything. He was cast in Star Wars, and his role got cut. I believe, oh, well, he was in Morbius too, but we all know how that one ended. I'm just so happy that he's finally given a chance to shine and show the star that he is. This show, four episodes in, it's got me hooked. Um, the characters are great. I love the the backstabbing and the interweaving of the plots that's occurring. Um, the show is solely focused on the division and the rivals between the families in Westeros and Essos a little bit. I cannot wait to see where this series goes next. And I'm I, it's it's hard to really talk about spoilers because the show is still so fresh and I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's hoping to watch it, but I encourage you that if you haven't yet, give it a go. It's a fantastic show. But with that, I'm going to end the episode here. If you got to the end, Thank you so very much for watching. Um, I should probably plug my social media. Uh, I have Instagram. I'm still working on getting my Twitter. I haven't decided if I'm going to use my personal or create a new one yet. And it's just me being a classic procrastinator yet again. But my Instagram is John H. Van Dyke. J-O-N-H-V-A-N-D-Y-K-E. Follow me there. Uh, my DMs are open. So if you have any feedback or... Maybe you can think of segments that you believe might be good for the show. Um, please let me know there. And for all the support that you've given at this point, I cannot thank you enough. This has been cathartic for me getting this going. And I'm excited to keep on going. But thank you. <laughs>